<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? <laughs> I'm in my uh, car. Leela and Val were uh, <laughs> sort of taking over the house, so I, I went in the car. That's and I'm an enjoy. I'm 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 an enjoying. I'm enjoying the uh, the tight, soft acoustics of uh, of of the Volvo. As I always, <laughs> I've mentioned that too many times. I'm sort of aware of the things I say too many times on the podcast. One of them is that I call our cars the car. Good for you, Pete. Nice. <laughs> Any hoozle woozle. This is Ron Funches returns. Uh, it's a hard time out there, guys. I hope everyone's uh, hanging in there, being kind to one another. And I think we could use the light and love and joy that is Ron Funches. He is just so fun to talk to. He brightens up my day. This is a great conversation. We talk a little bit about, you know, how to keep it bright inside. And I think this is what we need right now. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed uh, checking in with my friend Ron. Uh, this episode is, speaking of keeping it bright, get some calm gummies. <laughs> uh, it's brought to us by our friends at Charlotte's Web. Go to charlottesweb.com slash weird and get 10% off by using the promo code KEEPITCRISPY19. Uh, get calm CBD gummies. I took two this morning, uh, well, this afternoon. I'm glad I did. And so will you. So uh, speaking of wonderful things you can put in your body to make yourself feel better, you guys know this. I don't do ads for things that are just random. I do things for ads that I love and sound great and work great. This is uh, our friends at Noni New Age. Noni New Age, uh, my friend David works there, turned me on to Tahitian Noni juice. Noni is a Tahitian superfruit known for its medicinal properties, used by healers for thousands of years as an ancient health remedy. But turns out, as a superfood in modern times, a four-ounce shot, which is what I do twice a day, basically just a swig, tastes like pomegranate juice, a little tart, a little sweet. Twice a day, four ounces. There's a peer-reviewed double-blind trial with placebo that show four ounces twice a day increases your NK cell count. That's your natural killer sound. Natural killer sound. Natural killer cells, which is uh, in instrumental to your immune system, increases by 30%, helping your immune system stay powerful. It's got 275 nutrients and phytonutrients, including key vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. And when taken in conjunction with their supplement, Cell Defense, it's clinically shown to help your body fight inflammation, gives you energy. And my favorite thing about it is I love knowing I'm doing something proactive, something healthy, simple, and natural that can help my body stay as healthy as possible. So normally a bottle of Cell Defense and a one liter bottle of Tahitinone Jew would be $100, but you can get both for just 40 bucks and show your support of this podcast. Go to noninewage.com slash weird40. The other Pete's Pick this week is one of the original Pete's Picks. I haven't gone a day without it for over four years. It's Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain is a nootropic. That means it's a vitamin specifically for your brain, for your creativity, for your ideas. It's not a stimulant. It's not like caffeine. In fact, you can take it before bed. I often do and wake up with a lot of inspiration, a lot of clear thinking and a lot of cool dreams. It's uh, earth-grown ingredients. 
specifically designed for focus, for concentration, for recall. I haven't done stand-up. I haven't done this podcast. I haven't written a script. I haven't even gone on a date uh, with Val where I want to be clear. When don't you want your brain working optimally? But not, not juiced like caffeine, just clear. Give your brain the nutrients it needs to work at its fullest potential. And that's what Alpha Brain is. I love it. I swear by it. I think you should try it. It's the best way to get into it. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off everything you see on that landing page. Uh, yeah, that's it. People ask me about how to support the show. It's so sweet, especially in this time when this is pretty much all I'm doing. Very kind of people. Buy a Pete's Pick. That's literally the best thing. Get some Charlotte's Web. Get some uh, Noni New Age or get some Alpha Brain from our friends at Onnit. And in the meantime, enjoy my chat with Ron Funches. Ron Funches returns, guys. Enjoy it. Love it. Get your Giggle Fit on. Watch Giggle Fit on YouTube. And be sure to check out Rob's. Uh, Rob's. God, I'm tired. Lee has been waking up at like 4.30. It's been brutal. Uh, but also a joy. But let's be real. My body's tired. Um, Ron. <laughs> Ron and I talk about his YouTube event coming up. Be sure to check that out as well. All right. Oh, and Friday we'll be dropping a special bonus episode uh, of me and Val. We thought we'd do that. We have more time now. So on Fridays we'll be dropping as many bonus episodes of me and Val just sort of talking about what we're reading, what we're enjoying, what we're learning, and, uh, and just laughing as well. So that'll be dropping on Friday as a bonus episode. But for now, for today, enjoy the wonderful Ron Rob Funches. Get into it. Funchables, they call him, there he is, hey, hey Funchies. Let me move this bag of trash or I know my fiance will be mad at me later. Well, we're not, we're not recording video though. Oh, good. Don't worry about it. In fact, get that bag of trash and dump it upside down. <laughs> I want to see its contents. How are you, man? It's so nice to see you. Nice to see you. I like this look. It's kind of like you're the Joker. Uh, which one? The latest one. I don't How know. How dare you? <laughs> Ledger or below? None of these scary, legit scary. Uh, I don't know. I love Joaquin, but I'd rather be a different Joker if I could. Well, too bad. <laughs> I suppose my hair is is long. You look like you've been getting a cut. Yeah, I mean, I got one cut recently right when we were in the middle of that. Like, hey, it looks like things are going to be better. You can do a little more stuff. And I got a haircut right away. And then then now it's kind of just growing back in. Because, yeah, I don't remember that happening. There was a time when we thought we could come out. Well, there was a time like phase two is starting. You don't remember right. that? Not really. <laughs> I'm surrounded by living Twitter, meaning so many people that I work with are like obsessed as I, I understandably so, but they're like, a, not, not just like into COVID. They're like obsessed with COVID news. Mm -hmm. So I just have to talk to them for five minutes. And so I get my live updates, but I don't really like follow it uh, per se, because I feel like I'm living it. And whenever I talk to my, my friends or my, my team or whatever, I get that. I get those live updates. Yeah, I understand. It's overwhelming. I think it's yeah, mostly just kind of stay in and and watch Breaking Bad and and then just kind of wait for an all clear. Is that your rewatch? 
Right now it is. Yeah, we just finished it. We just finished it. Oh. And we really loved it again. We got sad about Hank. Hank has the best journey of all. He goes from being an overconfident racist guy to like being like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know everything. And yes. guys, it's the best. He's converted. He's absolutely converted. So we're just recording. Is that cool? This is this is it. This is Ron Funch's returns. I assumed we were. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't want to. I don't want to jump on you. Have you talk some shit about Breaking Bad that you don't want Vincey Gills to hear? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I wanted to rewatch Breaking Bad, but I found it, and I don't know if this is embarrassing, but I found it too tense. I started watching it. And I was like, oh, I forgot how like really legit scared I get watching the show. I'm not really scared, but like tense. Like I'm yeah, no. worried. Even if I know what happens, like the, the supermarket parking lot scene with the twins, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what's the big deal? It's a great scene. I'll just watch that episode. I was freaking out. It's so well done. Yeah, it's so well acted, so well shot that it gets you. No, trust me. My, We were watching an episode where Hank gets shot with my fiance, and then by the end of it, like we had to stop 10 minutes before the end because she was like shaking and, yeah. and worried and scared about it. And I was like, I understand. You know, I, I mean, it's just so real it's a great it is show. so real i appreciate that's what i was worried i was like I, oh i hope i'm not making fun get get made fun of for this but like no fucking hey i'm right my nervous system is correct that's mm-hmm. a difficult ass show to watch it's real yeah. your brain doesn't know the difference no it's getting you know it's getting the same stimulations but that scene where they have like domestic violence and she slices him with the knife you know that one like freaks me out and then he tries to steal the baby and she's chasing after the baby and then drops to her knees shaking oh my god yeah it's bad for your nervous system forget it now that we have a baby we can't even like handmaid's tale all that stuff it's over like I, I back when we used to be stand-up comedians, I used to have a bit about people who were like, go out now before you get married, before you have babies. They were like, go out, go to parties and stuff. And they, I was like, they should have said, go watch Breaking Bad. Go, go <laughs> watch post-apocalyptic nightmare shows because you just can't handle it. it you're, you're, you're already running an- anxious programs and you don't need other people's nightmares <laughs> Yeah, no, I I missed out on like when when the big zombie phase was happening. That's also when my son was was pretty young. Yeah, and so I missed all of that. Like, like I had to catch up on the Walking Dead and stuff when I started going to Talking Dead and, and that because when it was first airing, my son was just too young, and so there was no way. Yeah. Hey, I didn't want to watch it and be freaked out, and there's no way he wanted to watch it. Oh, uh, so, that's right. I miss all like, you know, Left for Dead, all like the whole big zombie phase that happened. I missed all of that. I, I t- I'm glad you understand. Of course, you felt the same way. It's really, really frightening when you start. Pro- if, if, if there's a baby or a kid in a show now, just that I'm like, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You know what I mean? Well, like, right it, now is weird to me because like I'll watch these shows and people will attack each other and, and it doesn't bother as much. But like I'll watch a sitcom and as a joke, someone will sneeze in someone else's face. And I'm like, no, that's <laughs> hilarious. I'll do you one stupider is uh, first of all, I was watching your Comedy Central special, which is on YouTube now, the full special, which is awesome. Uh, and you come out high fiving everybody. And I was like, <laughs> 
different time this is now what i call contact porn all porn is contact porn but i got to be like remember when we <laughs> did that like fearlessly you don't even wash <laughs> you high five someone else comes very close and takes your awesome coat away just the closeness was so incredible i couldn't <laughs> believe that um so that I, I, i'm with I, 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 you made me think of something else oh i was watching uh three men and a baby because Val and I were just like, let's watch some light stuff about having a baby. Mm-hmm. This is maybe when our baby was younger. And there's a scene where, spoiler, mobsters come. There's confusion. They're, they will look for drugs, but re- they accidentally take the baby. And we couldn't handle it. We turned it off. They're giving the baby to the mobsters. They don't know. And the whole time Ted dancing, or, or it's not, it's, uh, it's the other one, mustache, Bert. Ray Reynolds? He's sort of like, this doesn't feel right. And that's like a specific, I think, uh, postpartum nightmare is that you would do something that would harm or endanger your baby, even though you don't know why you're doing it. It's like this, it's like ancient thousands and thousands of years. I bet people have been having that specific nightmare. And there it was in Three Men and a Baby where you're like, why am I giving my baby to? So I couldn't even handle a light Disney Plus stoned throwback just like let's laugh at something stupid i was like and forget about baby's day out i was about to mention baby's day out you and baby gonna be at the construction site get that baby off the i-beam this is not a comedy this is my saw i don't need it i don't need it i can't believe it how old is your son now my son is 17 years old Oh my God, dude. So he's almost out of high school. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, he's going to be a senior. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's weird and it's fun. It's different. He's like my height. He empties out the dishwasher. He like (laughs) takes out trash cans. Whoa. Yeah, he's like a full grown man. It's really fun. And he watches Breaking Bad. He watches 24. That's sort of a gateway drug to Breaking Bad. That that's like gets you into the mood for like yeah. tension. I remember the first time I watched Twenty Four when it was on TV, like just on like a regular bunny ears TV. And there was some scene where Jack Bauer was like, "I have to shoot this senator, or they're gonna blow up Los Angeles." And do you remember this time in TV where it was like? He's not gonna shoot him. Like, <laughs> like, like stuff like that just didn't happen. I remember just being so sure of myself. I was very Hank from Breaking Bad. I thought I knew everything, and I was like, "He, that doesn't happen on TV." And then, bang! I was like, "Oh my god!" I, so yeah, Twenty Four has got some thrills and chills, is what I'm saying. Yeah, let's let's talk about Ron Funches though. So much okay. has happened. I'm so happy to see you, even if it's virtually. You did the podcast years and years ago. Hmm. And a lot has happened. When I say that, what what comes to mind? Not just your son growing up, but like, I mean, the fitness, mm-hmm. the career. To fill the people in as if they haven't haven't been keeping up with Ron. What, what's been going on? Well, a lot of people haven't. I'm sure. Well, <laughs> 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 yeah. What comes to mind mostly is just a change, full change in my life and and, and my focus. And um, I think what immediately comes to mind is health and, and and the weight loss and being able to keep keep it down and yeah. continue to get stronger. I mean, I'm really in love with, with my health journey right now. Um, yeah, it's incredible, dude. I mean, 
I've had a lot of friends, not a lot, but people in my life that lose, you lost like 140, 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. Sure. But then like once the thrill of the novelty is off, I've done it myself. I've lost a lot of weight. And you're like, you go into like some clothing store and you're like, wow, when you're, when you can fit into clothes, it's fun to shop for clothes. And then like three months later, I can't button those pants because I just don't care. I got the the likes, I got the faves. And then like, it's just, now I'm just eating celery to maintain. Like it sucks. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that maintain. And I, I'd also love that focus on, because I, I bet you have a good answer for this. The mental strategy, not just the physical strategy, but what are the things that you would tell yourself and remind yourself to keep yourself fit? Well, uh, yeah, it's been a big journey. A lot of it in the beginning was just a straight physical of shutting my mind off of like, I needed to save my life. Um, I'm not doing well. I, you know, it looks like I'm going to cut my life short. And so there was a big focus of getting that done. And and like you said, once that was over, it was kind of a bit of a like, well, I'm doing better now. Why can't I have a cookie? Everybody else is eating cookies. I want yeah. cookies too. Especially on TV, dude, right? You watch TV, <laughs> everyone's just eating fucking cookies. If you're trying to not eat a cookie, you can't help but notice every goddamn character on every fucking show seems to be eating a cookie. It's just like... Animals like watching other animals eating cookies and they figure that out. So like, we need more cookies. Like I couldn't, I can't handle that when I'm trying to be good. Yeah. It's so difficult. And what was really helpful though, is that I didn't started to have to look at like my mindset and, and how I, cause even when I was originally losing weight, I would focus, but then I was so excited for that cheat meal. I was so excited for that time where I could, didn't have to be good. Anymore. I remember your Instagramming your cheat meals. I used to love those posts. <laughs> but then I was always like, I, and I want to have a real convo about this because I think I'm like you. In your special, you talk about, basically you're talking about food addiction, which is mm-hmm. something I have for sure. Like, I'm not just trying to you know, relate to you. I'm the guy that can't eat sneaky pizza because I can't stop. Like it doesn't, my brain does not make sense. Once you light it up and you make it feel good, I get a very strong signal that says, keep doing this Mm -hmm. like for real. And it makes no sense to not keep doing this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that sounds like what you were dealing with. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a a known thing. There's people who, who are capable of moderation and there's people who have to abstain from things. And I, I knew from a young age that addiction runs in my family. My my father had drug issues and, there, and other members of my family as well. And, and it was a reason why, like, still still to this day, I've never tried any hard drug. I, I, I just stick to what I like because I know I'll like it a lot. Like I, like I have <laughs> with weed and, and with food. And, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I actually even went to a couple of uh, Overeaters Anonymous classes to kind of start looking at at just my mindset. But was I didn't really um, I liked the community of it, but I didn't like the, the that it was so closely tied to like Alcoholics Anonymous in the same style that they were. Cause it's just such a different um, to me, a different disease, a different issue over, uh, you know, being an overeater. Well, isn't, isn't that what they say? It's like nobody has to drink alcohol three times a day. That's what makes it sort of a different thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just kind of had to start going, actually just been my actual therapist and going through like, Oh, what are the times where I feel the need to, to break my diet? And it's usually when I'm feeling anxiety, when I'm feeling like I'm not going to make it, when I'm feeling like, 
um, not, a project isn't going to take off. So I'm like, oh, fuck it. I might as well eat a whole box of cereal or, right, or just right. when I'm unsure. And I had to start looking in my past history and remembering like these things were like, oh, little Debbie oatmeal cream pies were always there for me when I was a little kid and bad things would happen and just learn to unprogram myself. And also spite has been very helpful. I, I so sorely remember a conversation we had when you saw me when we lost weight and, and, and I knew it because I knew it came from the place where you were coming from a chunky guy. Yeah. Everybody else was so excited and so happy. And the first thing you told me was you better keep it off. And I was like, Pete doesn't think I'm going to keep it off. I'm going <laughs> to fucking show him. <laughs> So that was helpful too. So thank you. Oh man, <laughs> of course I was just projecting. You're absolutely <laughs> right. No, but you're very uh intelligent and emotionally intelligent. First of all, to unpack that eating. And dude, I, I want to talk about this as much as you want to talk about it, just because I think it's really and it doesn't matter if you're if you're quote overweight or not, people are dealing with this, especially during the pandemic. I think when the pandemic hit. The number of times I ordered a pizza, which is my sort of cheat drug food, it's it's not about going like, ah, smell the sauce. It's just like get it in you and feel the downer, the the mm-hmm. like the squashing. I, I'm too full. I'm digesting too hard to even think about my problems. That's the drug of it. That's the like it would. And I did that when I was a kid. This the, the the quarantine has made me again look at food. And when I was a kid, I would eat so much food because when I was really full, I was sedated. And then it also, you sort of alluded to this with the little Debbies. It's like, it was love. Like, I can't believe more people, maybe they are dealing with it and they just don't talk about it. Or maybe it doesn't matter. I deal with it. I see, have another piece of cake as like, Judd has this great bit where he's like, his inner voice is like a, a a a big guy that just wants him to have everything he wants. She's just like, eat it, eat it. You look great, eat it. And I definitely have that voice. It's like, no one tells me what to do. Life is short and hard. I'm lucky I should eat. But like shifting it from like, tell me if you did this. Did you shift it from like, I can have it, but I don't want it? Did you have to like retrain what you wanted and what you perceive living life to be? I mean, it's been an overall, my like all my vices it, with weed, with, with food is more about like learning to use it as an actual tree of like learning of when it makes me actually feel good. Like, sure, I could get up in the morning, especially during this time where I like maybe I have one thing to do a day or, you mm-hmm. know, I could do that one thing and then spend the rest of the time stoned off my ass because that's used to be the thing that would help me keep my balance was work and I would be like okay well my day is full of work so I can't get high and now Mm -hmm. I've been like well I could if I want to but I won't feel as good as if I just wait and go through my day and do it at the end of the night when I don't have anything to do and it just feels better and 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 the same thing has been with the food like I could order um, you know, a fat burger. I could order fat sales. I could order a lot of the fat things and they just tell you in the name right away what's going to happen. <laughs> They're saying it to our face. Yes. Oh my God. There was something on Shark Tank where it was like the big fat asshole sandwich. And I was like, wow, they don't, that's capitalism. They don't care. <laughs> They're like, just tell those beasts in the lower classes 
this is what you want, you idiots. And I was like, wow. And it works. I'll, you go out and we buy it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm not in the elite. I'm in the group that's like, okay. And I eat the, the Ben and Jerry's. But there is sort of an enlightenment where you go like, your brain doesn't necessarily know what's best for you. So like just giving it what it wants, this is what mm-hmm. I've had to realize. And I wonder if it's the same for you. I had a, I read a book about weight loss that was sort of like, there's a part, a lower part of your brain that literally thinks you will die if you don't eat that whole box of Crispix. And you just need to separate the higher function of your brain from the lower function. Mm-hmm. And the higher function needs to say, Ron or Pete, I love you. You are mm-hmm. safe. You are okay. And treats are okay. But like you're getting some bad information from a part of your brain designed to keep you safe when we were at war, when we were in the desert, when we were hunting, whatever it was. And, and that to me is high level spirituality, realizing that there's your brain and there, and there's you. And it's like the Zen of weight loss is going like, I hear you brain, but I'm in charge. The spirit is in charge. Well, it's, it's the, the, um, theory or or whatever you want to call it of existence or you know to essence you know you want to get past existence and get to a sense of essence and there's always going to be this lower reptilian part of you that says eat what you want do what you want hurt who you want fuck what you want mm. it doesn't matter you know that's always going to be a struggle and i think sometimes we deny that within ourselves which then builds up and and bubbles up and then fucks us over that's right like, one of the best conversations I've ever had was with, with talking with, with Conan O'Brien. And he was, um, we were talking about, I, I was just taken aback because I was traveling with him doing shows and I had my little almond butter packs and my little pre-planned meals and they had, you know, all the fancy food. And then I see him pull out his little almond butter pack and his little thing. And I was like, no Oh shit. Had the same struggles as I do. And we started talking about cereals and this and that. And he just goes, he's like, well, you have to just know, that that struggle is always going to be within you. And, and, and in that it's freeing and that you, you can't defeat this, that it, it lives in you. You can make the right choice at the time and continue to build a pattern of making right choices. Mm. But I think sometimes it always, I had always been looking just like in my career. There's like, Oh, if I reach this, then I've reached the goal when there, it is just all about, you know, continue to get better, continuing to, to live your life. Mm. I love that. And it it doesn't, I don't know why it doesn't surprise me. I think it's just like comedians have that addictive thing. I think there's something going on in our group. Obviously it's not true of all of us, or maybe our lifestyles uh, afford us the ability to like say smoke weed uh, way more than somebody that needs to do heart surgery. I don't know. But like, I feel like there's a lot of the, the similar things going on. So even though Conan is obviously sort of like a famously skinny guy, that's my point. Like our relationship with pleasure is always going to be something we, if we're, if we're mindful, we need to keep an eye on you. You've alluded to weed a couple of times. I'm really curious about that because that's sort of part of your, um, I don't want to say your persona, but it's part of what we enjoy about you. When I, <laughs> what you're sort of like, and I really mean this as a high compliment. I hope it sounds like just exactly that. You are watching you just do stand up for 45 minutes as I did before this interview or this conversation is the same feeling I get when you just start binging a show. You know, when it's good, 
Like you might watch five episodes of The Office or something, but it's really that first one that makes you feel like you're sort of snowed in and 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 you're under the blankets with with well loved one or whatever, and you're like ah I'm I'm safe. So you have this like you know sort of Buddha like it's safe now. We're gonna have some fun. It's gonna be a little cheeky. Like don't it's not gonna be boring. Meaning I'm gonna surprise you and stuff but you feel like a nice night in with weed. So it's not just like that you talk about weed. You kind of <laughs> you kind of feel like, oh, this is my guy who comes over and we smoke weed and, and we watch wrestling. So like, how does that, tell me about your relationship with weed and how it's evolved or changed. Because it sounds like maybe it has. Yeah, it definitely has. I, I mean, it definitely, when I was starting in high school, it was a way for me to connect with people. Like I was a big nerd and I was like, I'm not going to do that. And and I was like, all my <laughs> friends are and I don't have anyone to hang out with. So then I got involved in it and I genuinely liked it and enjoyed it. But then it became more and more of this thing of like, oh, this is what I do with friends and we do this all the time. And then with comedy, it was more of that, you know, I think. But I've always had this side of me as well to be like, well, let me prove to myself that I can do it no, no matter what. So even when I first started comedy, I would not get high before my shows just because I was like, I need to know I can do it sober before I can do it high. Yeah. And I think like after my divorce and then moving to LA and everything, I, w- I was much more just heavily into to, um, medicating myself and dulling myself and not feeling that pain of like, Oh, I'm moving away from my son at the time. I'm moving away from everything I've ever known at the time. And I would just numb that. And I was smoking but a I- lot of, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. You, you might have even been in some physical pain because of your size. I mean, that yeah. could have been part of it. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm, you know why I'm saying that is because that's often why I'll smoke weed is I'm like, I have a headache or my, my hips hurt or whatever it might be. But it's like, yeah, you know, this isn't really a solution. This is just sort of like putting some paint on the old barn. Like, yeah. it's just a way to get through it. And yeah. I say that with full sympathy to no, anybody no, no, doing it. I'm fully about it. I mean, and I was heavy smoker at that time. I wasn't just smoking weed. I was smoking a lot of wax and, you know, doing, doing concentrates a lot mm. and and just being high all day and, and still, like, kind of being okay with doing shows and doing sitcoms. And mm. I was like, well, this is w- working out okay. Uh, but I, it was a lot through, again, with therapy of just being like, well, you want to go further than this. And, and it kind of also reminded me of my high school of like, oh, when I'm not pushing myself, when I'm not truly challenging myself, I'm bored and I'm just like, well, I might as well just get high because then being high makes this a challenge. You know? I, I am bored. It, like, it's interesting to kind of uncover the, what my, my th- one of my therapists would call the core negative thought behind a behavior. So I heard you say I am alone, which is meaning weed helps me get friends. So she said that the core negative thought of um, this is Cynthia Morgan, by the way, who has some great tracks on iTunes hypnotherapist she said that the core negative thought of uh, most smokers is i am alone so the social element of smoking weed but uncovering that and identifying that is such power and 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 turning the table on it like you said you did like instead of just doing it because i feel like i'm out of control of my life and i'm isolated and afraid you can say maybe i'll do this but i'll do it as a treat and then and then uh, i'm sorry what was the other thing you were saying i felt the core negative thought oh i'm bored I'm mm-hmm. bored. And, and dude, I'm the same way. Once you kind of get your levels right and your life is working, then there's always that part of me that goes like, well, you might as well Fuck eat ice it cream. Up. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck it up. Or like, 
there's even a loneliness to this. Like no one will notice that I'm not a hundred percent. So what I'm hearing you say is let's, instead of dulling down, let's kick the levels of our life up. So it does require our full participation. Is, is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just more pushing myself towards, towards the things that I wanted to do again is a lot with a lot of it ends up coming down to faith. The, mm. the weight, the, the food, the smoking comes out until faith in myself and belief in myself. And, and when I truly believe in myself, I'm like, well, I need to go get ready. I got to work out. There's a there's another show for me around the corner. So I better be ready. And so I work out and I write and I do all my stuff. And, you know, I even keep my weed in a little lockbox that doesn't open until a certain time of night. A kitchen safe? Yeah. Yes. My, my weed is in a kitchen safe. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, we are the same. I knew when I heard you talking about sneaky pizza, that's mine. That's mine. Except mine's enormous because remember (laughs) you do those comedy store shows, you get all those free speed weed things. So mine are all in this big one. But I recently, I was just like, I don't know, man. It's, uh, I don't know if it's working for me. This is about you. I want to keep it about you. But I know when I'm locking something in a safe, I'm like, Keep an eye on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> For those of you listening, a kitchen safe, I highly recommend it. I use it as a cookie jar too. Like if I we, have any- we also have it as a cookie jar too. Yeah. We have another bigger one for the cookies. Yeah. Because you take two cookies out and you lock it for one day. Yep. And for anybody wondering, like, can't you just take the battery out or break it? It's a bitch to break and no, you can't take the battery out. So it actually works. It really, really works. Um, so anyway, I'm not, I'm not surprised that that is so funny, dude. I've never met another person with a kitchen safe. (laughs) It's me and it's you and everyone I tell about it, no one cares. And I'm like, Oh, I thought this was something we're all dealing with. It's just, (laughs) it takes a special type, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got my, my fiance has been the biggest boost in my health of like, I mean, she takes a lot of the work out of it for me because she, I mean, she'll measure my portions out. She'll do everything. And mostly she's like, tell me what you need. What are you focusing on? If you're getting ready for something, I'll make sure that you're get, reaching your, your calorie thing and I'll cut you off. You just got to make sure that when I go to bed, you don't go behind me and eat handfuls of frosted Cheerios. And <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask for your binge cereal. Mine is, Sin Toast Crunch, which I think is pretty great. Yeah, I, oh, we, I would, oh, I would kill to have that in this house. The only reason we have cereal in this house is because my son loves apple cinnamon Cheerios and oh my god, Cheerios. oh my god, I I think I could resist an apple. You said apple cinnamon Cheerio. I think I could resist it. <laughs> Like when you pour actual real cinnamon into it for extra <laughs> a little bit because <laughs> that was my thing again i was just you knew i had issues i would you know take kicks and put nutella into it i was just, just mixing things and having that was time. that was always somebody i forget who it was but it was a friend of yours so they were saying it with love that you would have a coffee and you'd put a fun size snicker into it like that's how that you sounds sweep. like me yeah. <laughs> Like you are sort of uh, an evil genius when it comes to this stuff. Because that, I mean, you're putting in milk and cream and sugar. It's the ingredients of a Snickers bar. You got a couple uh, peanuts to spit out at the end or just crunch them up as you go. But let, let me ask you this, man, because like, is it is it risky when people sort of see you as a mascot for a fun time? You know what I'm saying? 
I, oh man, I'm actually glad you asked that because that's, that's something I was going to think about. It's, it's a conversation that I had a lot um, with, with my opener and my best friend Gabe. Because um, I think like after my special, and then I was kind of thinking of like, you know, where do I go forward? Where do I try to lean into? I kind of like the storytelling thing that I'm doing more and more. And then I would go out and do these shows and I'm like kind of talking about, I'm like just removed from the world that I used to be in. I like listen to kids talking about all these new drugs that I've never tried and <laughs> all this new sex that I've never had. And then I'm just like, oh, my biggest deal is that uh, I'm not sure if Matt LeBlanc thinks I'm funny while well, I'm guest starring on this show. <laughs> I don't know Matt LeBlanc, but I guarantee you. <laughs> He's just going, I hope this person isn't funnier than I am. That's not a put down to Matt LeBlanc. Everyone thinks you're funny, Rod. That is a guarantee. I promise you. But I was talking to my friend. I was like, oh, maybe I'm kind of like aging out of this type of humor that I was doing. And, and and he put it to me the best where he's like, well, you you don't sell being a pothead. You don't sell drug humor. You, that's not who you are. People who think that's who you are kind of, you know, re- being reductive. What you sell, what you're what your theme is has always been is freedom mm. and it's about being yourself and being who you are and being That's what beautiful. you want to be. And so that will always evolve and that will always change. And so if that means that I'm not like as stoned and then not talking about getting stoned as much, that's fine because that's what my life is and that's what I'm doing. And I equated a lot to the music I listen to. Like I love Outkast. It's like my favorite group of all time. And if you listen to their first album, it's a lot about smoking weed and it's a lot about hoes. It's a lot about pimping. And you get further and further into their albums. There's, it goes less weed references, less hoe stuff. And then you get to, <laughs> hey, y'all, and they're the biggest <laughs> fucking group in the world. And that's where I'm trying to get. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Hey, yeah, has no neither of those things. If I'm remembering correctly, it would be so it's funny. Got sugar, if they, it's got sugar for your neighbors. If they had, <laughs> if they had a whiteboard in their in their writing room that said fewer hoes, ref, fewer hoes, <laughs> and they're just sort of brainstorming. Like I know we got hoes. Could we do fewer? I'm not saying no. I'm saying fewer. <laughs> Dude, I love that. And that I think your 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 opener Gabe, you said absolutely right that your brand, I hate to say brand, but let's just say brand for a word for your flavor, your essence, your what you're selling is joy and freedom and self-love. So dude, when when we were having this planning this conversation, part of me was kind of like because I'm always trying, I'm, I'm like you, I don't always succeed, but I'm trying to get better. You know, like your podcast, getting better. I'm trying to get better. And I was like, I wonder if Ron is. And it makes me happy for what it's worth. It makes me happy to be like, we're growing up. And we had that time. And there was a time, I don't drink anymore. There was a time when it was like, it was fun and seemed appropriate to really get shit house. Me and Chris Thayer after a show, he wouldn't even drink. He, he would just hang out just in case Chris is, well, I don't know. And, uh, and now it's, it's less so. And that sort of informs where you're at. I looked at your, at your IMDb. You've done a million things. You're, you, you bought a house, you're engaged, you're pitching shows. Like it's so beautiful to see you filling out the suit and, and, and filling out your power instead of, giving into the temptation to be like, I could see you on the set of a show and the danger of people being like, well, this is Ron. He's always stoned, but he's so funny. And that sort of smoky knock to the left Ron 
isn't the Ron that's going to go like, hey, there's a producer, this is this writer that I really get along with. I have this vision for this next thing, this next thing. I want that. Hey, yeah. So I'm really happy to hear that for what it's worth. You don't need my affirmation, but you have it. <laughs> Thank you. No, I no, I definitely noticed that just from, you know, but it's just when you're on those shows, I think if you if you're smart at all, you kind of like start seeing the trap. I think because I've worked a lot of trap jobs, worked a lot of corporate jobs that make it seem like, oh, it's all awesome. And we're a family and you're brilliant and you're a genius. Mm. And then it's just like, well, this is going to be over in a year or two or three. Who knows how many, but it's going to be over. And I need to be ready for the next thing and, and to move forward. And I don't. And as soon as I started seeing it and my friends started telling me about like, oh, we're seeing breakdowns with Ron Funches type on them. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, how do they know what that is? Because I'm not done yet. I'm not fully ah. formed yet. <laughs> I, I took it as a good thing that you are such a type. But you mean Ron Funches. You need to put a year next to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I see him now. I see I see sitcoms. I see McDonald's commercial. And I was like, oh, they doing they they put old Ron on that breakdown. <laughs> wow. For all the industry people that maybe will hear this at some point, you need to write old Ron Funches or just say Ron Funches 2012 <laughs> or whatever <laughs> it might be. Because you never know which one we're going to get. I love that. And tell me about that how you stepping into your power more and more every year, how that informed, I mean, you're engaged, man. I'm so happy for you. It's so, it's like, you're one of those guys. I think, you know, that we, we all just, we, your happiness makes other people happy. Aww. So tell me about that. Tell me about, do you see a correlation between sort of getting your shit even more together? Mm -hmm. Cause I've, I've, I've met your fiance a number of times and I'm always whatever you I, impressed. I just want to say, I'm like, this is an impressive person. So it's not just like Ron found somebody, you found a great person. T talk to the people, tell, tell the people, people are lonely. People want some of that Funch's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely, there definitely was a correlation. And, and when I met her, it, there was a moment where I was like, oh, I need to get my shit together even more. Tell because me everything. Where did you meet? Well, we met um, through Bumble. Yeah, and we had a couple of dates, and I didn't know her who she was. And and as you've seen her, she's a very attractive woman. And I was kind of just still looking at myself as the big fat guy, even though she said that she was attracted to that guy, she, that she knew who that guy was, and she liked that guy. But I didn't see that at the time. And so I was like, what does this lady want with me? We went on a couple of dates, and she was asking me if I had, like, entourage, which comedians I hung out with. Because I guess a couple of people, you know, then she's very attractive. People coming at her being like, they're balling big time, you know? And mm. so I was like, oh, we're just different types. So we went on a couple of dates, and, and I just was like, this isn't going to work. And so I went on and saw a couple You mean other she, she assumed, sorry to interrupt, she assumed you were like other people that had hit on her, meaning you're in show business, you probably have like a crew, you probably have, like, and you're like, Gabe, I got Gabe. Is Gabe, is Gabe <laughs> That's what I said. I go, you mean Gabe? <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, it's in the water. You're like, you're totally impressed with this person. And I, by the way, didn't just mean she's attractive. She is beautiful. But I was like, this, you get that sense that this is a together person, like a special person. So yeah. you're getting all of that. And yeah. you're like, uh-oh, 
I need to be truly exceptional, even though she was loving you already for just the funches you are. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, again, both of us were kind of like wary of each other. She had she, you know, she dated a couple people in entertainment and and they found them to be quite weird. And so she was worried about that. And I was worried that she was like wanted me to take her to parties or something like that. And so it didn't work out and we just stayed in touch and stayed friends. And I dated a couple other ladies and, and this fizzled out. We would get into like one argument and I'd be like, you know what? Never mind. I don't want to be with you anymore. Mm. And so we hung out again. And I remember the day that it changed is that she just came over to my house and we was watched, we watched TV. We played a little bit, of Super Nintendo and she we played or excuse me regular NES and we played Mario 3 and she knew, <laughs> all, she knew where all the whistles were and I was like okay well this is something I like this and then we started watching she's like let's show each other our favorite sitcoms and so I showed her an episode of I Love Lucy she showed me an episode of Golden Girls and then she showed me an episode of Golden Girls where they watch I Love Lucy and I was like okay I think Whoa. I like you. I like what you're about. And I, I started going more into therapy. And I was like, I don't want to end up with some, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be some hurdle that comes up. And I don't want to use that as a be like, oh, okay, I don't want to be with this person. This is wrong. This is the wrong person. Because I was doing that since my ex-wife, you know, mm. it was such a bad ending. It was such a like, oh, I thought I knew who this person was. And it turns out that we both were different. And, and I was on guard. I was highly on guard and I never thought I'd get married again. Mm. But when I met her and how sweet she was and how, and it was just like, okay, I met, you know, rarely I've met women as beautiful, beautiful as you rarely I've met women as kind as you rarely I've met women as smart as you. I've never met it all together in one. (laughs) And so I better figure this out. And, and, Mm. And yeah, it's a lot of myself and she's been very helpful. There's been arguments where I have gotten like that and I was like, oh, well, this just won't work. There's just misunderstandings and we're setting each other off from our own past traumas. And she would be like, no, this isn't about us. This is something else. We need to talk this through. You need to go see your therapist. I'll go see my therapist and we need to just keep working on this. Mm-hmm. And And we've been two years together now and I realized once when I was away doing some show and I hadn't been home for a week and I hadn't seen my son for a week and I wasn't worried. And I never had that feeling before. Like I wow. never had that feeling with his own mom that wow. I could leave him with someone and I was not worried and I could just focus fully on my job. Wow. And when I realized that not only did she, that I trust her with me, that I trust her with my son, I was like, I got, I got, I got to marry her. Yeah, talk about a good sign. Ah, Funchies, that's wonderful. I'd love, as comfortable as you are, I I get messages, I don't want to say every day, but I get a lot of messages. I don't check the messages that often, but people reach out and say, because you talked about therapy, I went into therapy. So it's not just like, I want a scoop. I'd love for you to talk as comfortable as you are about some of the breakthroughs you had in therapy. Not because it's juicy, because it's helpful. People, yeah. Like people will be helped by that. What, so you had some trust issues. I can relate to that. My first wife, you know, she had an affair. So I had to work through that sort of like, I still have it with Val. She catches me having, having these moments where I'm like, 
do you like me? Like, I just say that to her sometimes. I'm like, but I'll say it in like a cutesy way, but I'm masking a real feeling where I go like, you, you probably hate me. What is that? That's the inner child that's saying, hey, guess what? I've been in a thing before where I thought I could put my feet up and just be like, hey, everything's fine. And, and then your world falls apart. So like, even after all my therapy and inner work, I still have a little wounded kid in me sometimes that gets the mic and he gets to talk and he says some pretty sweet and vulnerable things. So please, please, if you want to share some of that, I'd love it. Yeah, I mean, you you, you kind of touched on a lot of it. It was a lot of just, just trust issues of just coming out of my, my past marriage and, and learning about myself. There were just issues with um my from my childhood from growing up in an abusive household and and some some anger issues that I was holding with my mom and with my with just my parents in general about putting us in these situations and um a lot of what my my um therapist talks about is giving myself more credit for being insightful and for being knowledgeable and and that a lot of these things I say about myself contradict and just that oh, I'm worried that she might be tricking me, that she might be not who I think she is. But I can tell you this story about how when I met my mom's abusive boyfriend, the very first day I met him, I was like, no, this is not a good person. This is not a good guy. Don't be around him. That's right. So where's the evidence? Yeah. The the Ron Funches that you're afraid you are that that can have the wool pulled over his eyes. Where is he? Like, um, lately, I'm so with you. I just want you to know, like, uninvestigated stories, stories that we're telling ourselves that we just haven't ever stopped. People talk about mindfulness, right? But they don't know that it's as practical as going, dude, I'll give you a very stupid example. But sometimes I notice that if I order Postmates, I get nervous when they start coming close to the house. I'm giving you a light example on purpose. Mm -hmm. And you just have to look inside and go, what is it? And you go like, well, sometimes I embarrass myself in front of strangers and you're like, where's the evidence? Have you ever been embarrassed or threatened or any reason to be scared? You really got to be pretty quiet inside to notice that you're like nervous that your postmate is getting closer to the house. Mm -hmm. Although it is a little bit like a horror movie. It's like three minutes out, two minutes out. Then you get the text. They're close. It's like going to freak you out. And I'm like, you bring a little bit of awareness to that story and you go, what? You realize it was written by a part of you that like, isn't even real. I, and, and by the way, you can do this with any thought, any story. It's so yeah. powerful. Oh, I re- relate with that completely. Cause I, I, that happens to me anytime I throw any type of get together, whether it's a Thanksgiving dinner, a, a vision board party, whatever I'm doing, mm. I will um, put it together in five minutes before, like, okay, if the party's at seven, and it's seven o'clock and no one is shown. There's a part of me that goes, oh, no one's coming. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to come. Mm-hmm. They, they all think I'm, a, they just told me they wanted to come, but I'm a burden to them. Mm-hmm. And they don't want me. And, and, and there's just a thing that carries in me from where I was a little, little child thinking that I was overstressing my single mom out. That oh, I, the, the thing I better not be is a burden to anyone. Mm-hmm. And That's it. these old codes you're you're a new computer and you're still running some old floppy disk that's like Ron isn't a good boy Ron dude you touched on it my childhood 
feelings aren't safe. And by the way, my parents did a, a fine job. I don't want to shit on them. I'm not painting with a broad brush here. I'm just saying, I remember feeling like there's so many feelings here. Mine will only complicate this more. So you see that in the way that I'm a friend and in the way that I'm in the world. Sometimes I'm just like, even though I have this podcast, it's a wonderful outlet for me. So much of my life, I'm just like, well, it's not really polite to like have big feelings. Mm-hmm. And having a daughter has helped with that. Watching her cry and rage or whatever she's doing, I'm like, this is natural. It's as natural. It's so natural. We do it from the day we're born. And then later we sort of learn like, oh, I don't think it's safe. And then we write a code and then I'm 41 and I'm 3,000 miles away from any of these people where I wrote that code. What are you doing? What are you doing? Fell out the suit, put on that blue Ron Funches sport coat and, <laughs> and kill it. You know what I mean? Like it's not happening anymore. There's this book called Loving What Is. I'm going to be talking about it a lot because it's changing my life. It's by Byron Katie. I recommend it to anyone dealing with anxiety, depression, stress, anything. And it's not spiritual. It's just talking about this. It's about bringing uh, inquiry, bringing questions to stories you're telling yourself. Couldn't recommend it more. And that's, and that's sort of what we're talking about. Is, is, so continue on your, your therapy thing. Uh, well, I mean, that's a lot of, of, of what we talk about is just, and I, I just thoroughly believe it, that, our, you know, anyone, but especially a lot of entertainers, a lot of things like that, your minds are so powerful. And mm. so the stories we start to tell our minds become our reality. You know, our, your thoughts shape your reality. It's why I'm a big proponent of my affirmations in in my podcast is because I'm a I do it in life. I do it with my son. That's where my affirmations came from was that I would wake him up by telling him, hey, you're kind, you're strong, you're intelligent, you can do anything. And I told him mm. that recently. And he goes, yeah, after COVID-19. <laughs> and you went, you're clever, you're hilarious, you're quick on your feet. Like, you're good at blending topical things into jokes we have. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't Pretty much. I couldn't agree more. I know you're into vision boards and, and I, I, that's why I was like with your fitness, what are the, what are the things you tell when you're trying to stay positive? What are the things you tell? And when you're just trying to blossom, what are the, what are the things you say to yourself? I just go ahead. Well, I just, I mean, it's more helpful now. It's harder when you're getting started, right? When you're getting started, you just have to kind of have a blind belief and match it with work ethic and go like, I think I can do this. I think I can do this and I'm going to try my hardest to do it. Mm-hmm. And but what helps me out now more is being able to go, oh, I've done it. I mm-hmm. did that. So odds are I can do more. So if mm-hmm. I push myself more, I've already, why would I s- s- cut myself short? Why would I cut the gifts that have been given to me, bestowed to me? Why would I undercut those by not believing in myself? Not not telling myself that I could be a leading man at something by accepting dumbass roles that I don't want to do, you know? Like, believe in myself, follow my path, and just trust, have faith. And I think that's one of the biggest things still now, today. It's so hard. People think faith, you know, people only use talk about faith during the good times. But when there's a fucking lockdown, when there's Black Lives Matter issues everywhere, where there's just police brutality everywhere, faith, you still need a lot of fucking faith that there are good people out there that for the most part, we all want to just 
feel safe and secure and, and, and achieve our goals and achieve our dreams, that we're not enemies of each other. You, mm. There has to be a faith in that in order for, uh, for to get up in the morning. Right. Look, look for the helpers. You know that Mr. Rogers quote? Yeah. But there's a real science to that, dude. Talking about uh, why, one of the reasons I, I, I'm just like, it's not natural to get by the minute updates of every bad thing that's happening in the world. There's a, it's called, I think it's called the Velcro Teflon theory. And like, if you read something nasty, which we all did. And and when it came to, especially at the beginning with George Floyd and stuff, I was reading everything. If you read something disheartening and scary and bad, it sticks to you like Velcro. If you read something good, it slips off you like Teflon. It, it's a little bit too heavy to maybe use the current events, but like, if to to bring it to a more superficial level, if one person in your Twitter feed says, Ron, you suck, that will stick like that. Mm-hmm. And and if three people, five, seven, eight people say you're the greatest thing in the world, it'll slide off unless, and my homeboy Richie Rohr taught me this, you need to stop. And this is right up there with your affirmations. I think it's a minimum of 30 seconds. If I say, Ron, you are the kind of person that when you're happy, it makes other people happy. You need to literally, if, I'm not telling you to do this, you close your eyes and you let that in. But if I say, Ron, and I, forgive me for saying this, I'm embarrassed that I said that, better keep it off. Did you need help remembering that I said that? You know what I mean? Like that was like a, a misstep. That was like a mean thing that just sort of came out that effortlessly sticks to the human brain. And when it comes to the world, I think that's what Mr. Rogers is saying is like, look to the helpers. When I had, um, I forget who it was. Oh, it was Rhonda V. McGee. She was telling a Black Lives Matter Matter story. And I think everybody that heard it was very scared that it was going to be one of those stories where like the protesters are kneeling and the cops are right there. And And it ended up being one of the other kind where it's like, and they marched with them or they joined them or they laid down their arms and said, and they listened or whatever it was. Those are the ones that require the meditation and, and that effort to sort of, it, it, does that sound feel real to you? Yeah. I mean, it also, that actually touches on the thing that I've been dealing with in therapy is that all of us start, you know, feeling overwhelmed and you're like, what do I do and how can I help? And um, what my therapist was telling me is like, yeah, you sometimes it's best. To, if you're getting overwhelmed, shut yourself off from that information and just act locally. Be mm. nice to the people around you. Be helpful to the people that in your community. That's the best thing you can do because I think we get so thought of like, oh, what can I do? Can I go take down Donald Trump myself? Like, is there mm-hmm. something to that? Mm-hmm. And you just have to be like, no, but I can be the counter to that. I can be kind. I can be sweet. I can make a, a, a stranger's day and be kind to them, which especially right. right now is needed more than ever, especially if they're in customer service. It's just being kind and being helpful and, and thinking locally and thinking small can not only help save your brain, but it can you know really make you a, a positive influence in the world. Well, this is something I've been unpacking constantly, not just during the quarantine, but especially during the quarantine. I think we have a belief, I mean, human beings, that if we worry about things and we worry about them more and more and more and more, almost to a debilitating place, that that is somehow helpful. I'm not saying that we don't need to get the data, get the facts. There's fucked up things happening. I'm saying a clear mind that isn't plagued and burdened and demonized and tormented Mm -hmm. by constant 
never-ending, self-generated, sometimes unsubstantiated anxiety isn't necessarily the best uh, and best equipped to change or even to just act locally. But we we, think worrying helps. You know, that's, I'm sorry, I just wanted to make sure you understood. We think worrying helps and it doesn't, after a certain point, it doesn't. Being informed and knowing helps. But we, we, I think we carry around almost a superstition where it's like, if I walk around really nervous and really angry and all these things, that it's somehow that alone is doing something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true. We need to look. Everybody should look. Well, I think it just ties into a lot of it is fear mongering, you know, and a lot of it is there to, to keep you in place. And I, I think to the, you know, the two things that we're most addictive to are, are happiness and fear mm. and that it's a lot easier to portray what makes everyone scared as opposed because what makes everyone happy can be very individualistic. What makes me happy might not make you happy, mm-hmm. but we're all kind of afraid of dying. We're all afraid of, of murder. We're all afraid of being pulled apart from our family. So mm-hmm. it's the easier thing to portray like all day news. I mean, it's been talked about for years. It's these all day news cycle to keep you in fear, to keep you afraid to, to lose your faith because then when you are anxiety and you are stressed out, what do we do pete we order the fucking pizza yeah that's right it keeps you buying shit exactly because you're getting your fear out there so the solution is probably also out there it's like the least empowering thing in the world i get i outsource my feelings i that's why they say don't look at your phone don't don't look at your feeds until later in the day because it sets this pattern of oh you tell me how i feel you wake up in the morning, instead of checking in with yourself, your piece of the infinite mystery, I know you've done mushrooms, your piece of the infinite mystery of infinity and the universe itself, you are a piece and a part of that. And instead of tapping into it, we go online and say, you tell me how I feel. Or if it's not Twitter or Instagram or whatever, or Facebook, you just go on your email and you go, who can I reply to? Motherfucker, how about what can you put out there? What is written on your heart? Not just replying to other people's. Twitter is like, it's like opening the window on the busiest, noisiest, violentest, ugliest, weirdest street. Mm-hmm. I hate street noise. And it's like, I live on this nice, quiet street and I open this window just to hear other people shouting, why am I doing this? At 8 a.m. on the toilet. How about, and I don't anymore, but how about like look at your daughter and let her touch your face and and feel your first breath consciously. I'm sorry to preach. I just like... No, you sound like my fiance. Ah, (laughs) Well, I'm honored. I just, I I, I have a, a passion for my people. And I mean humanity because our humanity, the thing that's making us human is being taken away it's our agency it's our inner reality is being like i said it's being outsourced you tell me what to feel because as soon as they have us then we turn to them mm-hmm. for how to change that we want now i want to feel happy buy a buy a tv show buy a movie buy a pizza buy a car what can you buy what whatever level of money you have there's something for you to buy that no. costs them a lot less than it costs you to buy it. <laughs> and this, and this, this is capitalism. No, I 100% agree with you. It, to me, it's um, it's the 
evolution of like this high school mentality that we were all taught like our even like for comedians um when you go to a college gig and one of the worst things about a college gig is that you tell a joke and you see you watch the audience because they're still not formed and they still don't believe in themselves yet and they still don't know who they are and so instead of just laughing because they think it's funny they look to mm. the left they look to the right and they see oh is my friend laughing then i'll laugh mm. and i've seen it time and time again at college gigs and to That's me right. twitter is an evolution of that of just like oh how do i feel i'll, I'll check and then i'll know how i feel Dude. um i've used uh, often that same analogy you were talking about pete i i said like twitter is, is often like like if you opened your windowsill to put a pie out there to let it cool <laughs> and like if someone came by and go, went, well, that's a shitty pie, you'd close that windowsill. Uh, even if someone went by and went, damn, that's a good smelling pie, you'd be like, I don't know you. Get away from me. <laughs> They're texts from people you don't know. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's a great bit. That's ready to go. That's really, really funny. Yeah, no, I love that so much. You made me think of something. I don't know why I'm so far. I usually do these podcasts in the morning, but I have, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Shut up, Pete. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I love I love to see that you're that you're figuring that stuff out. That that balance for you to figure out what makes you happy, what makes you self sufficient, and and how to stay plugged into your life even when you're doing quarantine, even while you're in lockdown. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the YouTube thing. I know you're doing something. I don't even understand it. I, I'm like, I'll what is, explain it to you. What is, what is Ron doing? I saw it. I was like, is this, is Ron at risk? That was my first thought. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, is Ron at risk? Tell me what's happening. Well, basically, I miss stand up very much, like we all do. And mm. I'm doing a few Zoom shows and things like that. And they're fine, but I, they don't really scratch that itch. And and so what I'm doing on September 5th is kind of like a combination of the two. There's going to be a, like a ten, little 10 person socially distanced live audience that at Christopher Titus's uh, Combustion Studios. And I'm going to perform. I'm going to have my normal openers. Gabe will be there. Blair Saki, who is a wonderful comedian, will be there. And I'm going to we're going to do our show. And I'm going to do all the material that I've been working on since Giggle Fit, as well as things I've just been thinking about since we've been stuck in quarantine and, and all the things with George Floyd has happened. So it's um, kind of just like this live stream comedy special that's only going to be available for 48 hours. Tickets are only $10, very cheap. Uh, you can go get them now and it'll be available worldwide, which will be the first time any of my stuff is available worldwide. Wow. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be like a real, like raw version of what I like uh, as close to like being in the clubs as possible of like, I'm just going to do my bits and see where it goes. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Wow. So there's only going to be 10 people in the live audience. Mm-hmm. Wow. Why that number? I'm kind of, I'm just thinking this out That's loud. I'm like, now that, that we can have before they would sh- want to shut us down. Really? Yeah. Whoa. So it's indoors. Yes. Okay. All right. Wow. Good for you, man. That's exciting. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I haven't done real stand up in a while. So, uh, but my hour was coming together. I had a nice 
chunk coming together, which some of it won't work anymore. Obviously, I can't yeah. be like, I love traveling. So- <laughs> right, 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 right. Dude, mine is all like, my daughter's six months old. Like, I, I, my whole hour, I mean, some of it'll still work, but like, I was about to film. I was about to film before this happened. Um, I didn't have it sold or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I was like, shit. I don't know. Maybe it's better. I think it's always better. I think yeah. I think disruptions and change. It's going to be more interesting. Like I'm whatever really excited. Yeah, this is more interesting. What you tell? It's like when Chappelle did his thing. He was like, "However this goes, this is in the history books." It's like this is another sort of like happening. It's like that's what we were doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> to get yeah. through this time. Yeah, and that's what yeah. it looked like. And to me, it's really fun because it's kind of like uh, um, all the things I've been working on, you know, like I, I, I've been trying to build up my own things and produce my own things and write my own things. And this will be like, I'm like, you you know, some of you doing like, this isn't sold or anything. I'm paying for this out of my pocket and hoping, yeah. hoping that we sell enough tickets that it's viable for me. But it's more in the, in the line of what I want to do instead of like waiting for someone to be like, oh, we want an hour from you or it's like, well, I want to go directly to my fans and give them what I've been working on. And then I'll go back to work. And yeah, that's fun to me. I'm excited about that. Dude, it's, it's like Radiohead model. I love it. And even the $10, you know what I mean? Like so much of the inflation of things is because of the overseers and the overseers can be really helpful. Obviously we've both benefited greatly from overseers, but if you're getting to a place where like you can go to the fans uh, it's it's great that we have people like Radiohead that have made that model. So good for you, man. You are really, this is like a life coaching session for me. It's just nice to know that there are people that are making their things happen. Oh, I'm st- out here, man. I'm out here. I, I'm out here. I'll start my own Twitch channel doing lots of oh, different really? things. I'm playing and not just video games. I'm playing video games, but also just, just yesterday, we did a live stream of Giggle Fit on YouTube, as well as a set of mine from 2009 when I was three years into comedy, and I just broke them down. And I was wow. like, "Here's like this is what I still like about it. This is what I don't like." I even told people because there was there's this bit in Giggle Fit where I talk about my neighbors and like having regular jobs and how much I think I'm better than that. And I was like, "Oh, I don't like this bit anymore." Because it belittles how much hard work I put in by saying like, oh, I just smoke weed and and just mumble into a microphone. I don't do that. I write. I oh, that's interesting. I actually I took issue with that. Not not in a like I didn't put my nose up, but I was like, come on, Ron. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. I, you and I know the personal sacrifice, the real pain and the real fear. And like, you know what I'm saying? You made it. It was very funny, so I, I wasn't even going to bring it up. But you made it sound like you had won the lottery or something. And I was like, I actually wrote this down, Hidden Hustle. It's on my notes for you. Yeah. I was like, it's it's way funnier. So it's it works as a bit to be like, oh, I, I, I don't have a job. And I say that too. And I'm like, yeah, I also didn't have any stability, any security for like 10, 12, you know, just scared flying to indiana and now that we're older and more comfortable i'm like i really couldn't do that mm-hmm. now so i have more of an appreciation for it so i'm glad that i again i wasn't going to say it but i totally agree with you i think you you undersold how 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 hard you've worked for it 
Yeah, yeah. yeah and again, yeah. I just also didn't, I don't like, just because I hated my neighbor. Really, that joke was a reaction that was of like, oh, I just got money. I just got a house. All these people, specific people. Oh, my fucking mother-in-law. All these people who said, I'm ruining my son's life. That I don't <laughs> know how the real world works. Fuck you. I did it. I made it. And so that's kind of what that bit was. But I should have aimed it at that instead of aiming it at the world. You know, I've noticed that about you. And there's something sort of fun about it that you're not embarrassed to talk about how special and excited you are. You like talking about things you like. And one of the things you like is that your dream came true. A lot of comedians, you know, will pretend... My example is always like back with Louis Scandal Noted, but Louis would pretend like he flew, uh, you know, on American Airlines. And I'm like, why, why don't you just do a great private jet joke? I, 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 you don't trust us that we know you don't fly uh, commercial or whatever it's called? And whenever comedians can just sort of go like, this is my reality. This is what's happened. My dream came true. Can I talk about it? Um, and you've, you've not shied away from that that's something that I, I think is interesting and part of your voice yeah no I, I don't I mean because I like reality I like whatever yeah. my life is going to be I don't want to act like I'm poorer than I am or I don't want to act like I'm richer than I am I'm like this is what is going on in my life and I've always hated lying on stage I, I only I like to stretch the truth I like to turn a phrase but the downright lie like we've all seen those sets where someone's I, like I oh, can't. me and my girlfriend aren't getting along. Well, anyway, I went out on this date with this girl. That I was like, well, what happened to your girlfriend? Right, right. I always, the fake acid, like, drug stories where you're like, they sound so incredible. And then you find out afterwards, they're like, that's not true. And I'm like, what? You just went into my church and, like, shit on the altar. Like, you don't do that. You can play, but never, like, I, I, it's like a cardinal sin to me to be like, this is real, this happened, and none of it happened. Chappelle will tell a story with a baby coming out of a drug dealer that you're just like, this didn't happen, and he'll say it like it happened, but you know. Yeah, that's it, different. It's very different, but, like, if you're just trying to get away with something, you know what it is? It's it's sort of juvenile. It's when we, when I was starting out, I was like, oh, I'll do stand-up. And then I was like, I'll just make up some shit. And some people never get past that. Yeah. And really talking about your reality is always going to be more. Or they just get caught up in the persona that got them successful and they don't want to change. And that's, well, that's what we're talking about. Of like, oh, I was this donor, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. But like, oh, things are changing and I'm okay with changing with that. As one thing, like one of my favorite things used to be to uh, follow Mark Marin after his sets at the comedy store. Because mm. without fail, he'd always do some depressive story about like how people don't think he's famous enough or this or that and i would, and I would just go after him every time and i'd go mark Marin and ladies and gentlemen i love him he keeps it real you know a lot of people would let success make them happy <laughs> <laughs> that is great that is fantastic well that is a i'm glad you brought that up because watching your voice I haven't had a good stand-up conversation in a long time, but like watching your voice, this evolve. Cause I remember seeing you do a show. This is back when you were bigger and very, very slow. So this is right at the beginning 
was Outlands or something? It was some music fest where Metallica was the headliner. We all went and saw Metallica. Yeah, Outside Lands. Outside Lands. And I, we were doing a show together, or maybe I just went to see your show, and I sat in the audience. We were doing uh, your podcast. And we did the podcast. That's right. That's right. So you were on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, I must have blocked it out. <laughs> You were on the infamous mm-hmm. live at Outside Lands, the most uncomfortable. Like I was uncomfortable. Oh my god, that's what I mean. Every if you, that's like Breaking Bad. We're full circle. It's as uncomfortable as Hank uh, getting shot on Breaking Bad. But I was watching you do your stand up, and please know that this is only leading to a compliment. I was sitting in the crowd. And I, I was fairly new to headlining at that point, meaning I wasn't like a decade into it or anything. And I was just like, I don't know. I was watching you. It was perfect for the venue. It was a small venue. It was fans. But it was so slow and so, I would say, hinging on their predetermined love of you. Like they mm-hmm. had to sort of love you already. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Maybe I had just been at some weird club or something where I really felt like I had to go and get him. And then I, the reason I mentioned I was in the audience, I remember there's some drunk guy that was just, that wasn't getting it. He wasn't getting it. And that's when I was like, what's going to happen with Ron? Meaning I just was like interested, I'm invested. And then I slowly watched headliner Ron fill out his power, meaning I can paint with the slow brush if I want, if that's the best joke, but now maybe I'll tell the story or may, maybe now just to throw the audience off its axis, I'm going to go high energy and you're going to have no idea where the fuck that came from. And now if I'm going back to uh, ice cream, it's like a Ben and Jerry's pint. It used to be a pint of slow and sweet you know, like, uh, I don't know what ice cream it was, but it was it one. It sounds flavor. like butter pecan to me. <laughs> it's a butter, dude, my favorite from a, my childhood, butter pecan. So I'm eating that and it's that way the whole way through. And now it's like a chubby hubby where I'm getting like, what is, there's a pretzel in this? Like that's, <laughs> so that's the compliment. But can you tell me, was that deliberate? Were you going like, look, there's a difference between playing like meltdown and being the delightful relief hitter that's so strange that like so strange in comparison to the others that that's part of the fun to being like you're gonna listen to me for an hour now Mm -hmm. i need to use every color in Mm -hmm. in my palette yeah that's definitely a a conscious effort um and just yeah especially after i think i saw like my half hour and things like that where i was like oh um yeah it's the same gear and I don't know if I want to listen to that same gear for an hour. Dude, I felt that way with Mitch Hedberg, one of the greatest of all time. After 30 minutes, I was like, this is hard because he's changing the channel every five seconds. I was like, this is demanding. I'm not saying yeah. it was not hilarious. It was. But I was like, I don't know. So you were you were kind of like, I don't know if I want to listen to one gear. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, yeah, it was a conscious effort to, to kind of change that up. And then a lot of it. And my fiance will say, like, a lot of it is tied to my weight loss and the fact that I just had to talk that slow because that was my breath pattern. That's how (laughs) I was breathing. (laughs) And now she'll be like, oh, you can't even do those jokes anymore because your rhythm has changed in your life. Your rhythm is changing in your the way you breathe, your heartbeat. And so 
is changed in my comedy. And I, I like it more because I can still access that slow if I need to. But like you said, I can also sell a story. I can also dance around. Yep. Acting class has helped a lot so that I can just like go and do a look, you know? And, and I like mixing all of those together because to me, that's what a good headliner does. That's it. That's what I wanted to have. The headliner conversation. There, it's like getting made in the mafia. It's like you're all captains or whatever you are. I don't know the other terms. I, I, my rewatch show was The Sopranos. For a while. <laughs> and at a certain point you go, I think he's ready. He can, or she's ready. She's ready to handle the crowd when they're like this. She's ready to handle them when they're like that. She's ready if they know her. She's ready if they don't know her. All of those flavors come together and something solidifies. So the reason I mentioned that outside land set, which I loved, by the way, I was just like, is he going to figure it out? And then when I watched Giggle Fit, I'm like, he fucking figured it out. But I was <laughs> always sort of quietly checking in with your work whenever I saw you. It was always great. But I saw that headliner sheen come on you very quickly, by the way. It happened almost very shortly after that. But of course, it has to do with your physicality and your body and, and your life. That, that's what I want to dispel is like this idea that we have to be sad mm-hmm. and, and, and slow and angry to, to, to be artists. I'm like the best stuff I've ever made has been in the fit of inspiration that was mm-hmm. joy fueled. That was like, I got out of bed cause I was so excited to write something down. It wasn't, it wasn't because I was like, well, Mark Norman has a YouTube special. I guess I got to chase him now. Like what? <laughs> like that's ridiculous. That That's a bad energy. Yeah. That, and actually I think that's one of the most beautiful things about what's going on right now. Right. Like a lot of us are like, well, we don't know what to do. A lot of people are moving away from LA and, 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 my fiance was talking to me and she's like, do you ever think about that? And I'm like, no, I, I love my home. I love where I'm at. As long as we can afford to be here, I want to be here and cool. I love this chaos because it shakes things up. I'm going to mm. still work, do shows. I'm still writing. I'm still doing things. And I want to say for some, for people who have had to move or if you're like a feature or, or if you were just getting started and you've had to do a little retreat, that happens to all of us. Like I've been yeah. through that. And so to just don't give up, just keep writing. And, and when oh. about what you can't do, oh, we, lo- we you lost can. you. We said that was oh, no! so funny. Your mic dropped just like during the key. Don't give up speech that I was like, man, this is great. <laughs> all right. You, we, we got, we got so much of it. You were just saying, Cause I'm with you. Like so many people that I know that are working and steady and fulfilled in, in show business, in the arts had a phase where like, where'd that guy go? Like mm-hmm. he went, he went home. Uh, he had to recoup. He had to take a break from paying this crazy rent or whatever it is. And then they come back. You were speaking kind of to that. Yeah. It's just a piece of advice my mom gave me, which is don't worry about what you can't do. Just worry about what you can and, and focus on that. When I was starting out, a big example was like when I started in comedy, I lived in Salem, Oregon. All the comedy was in Portland, Oregon. I had a job. I had my son. I didn't have money. A lot of times I couldn't get to Portland. And I was so instead of worrying about like, oh, how do I get to Portland, which is something I can't do. I worried about, oh, what where can I put on a venue here in Salem, where can I? So I put on coffee house shows. I put on little bar shows. I did whatever I could, to, and I and 
that's the point to me is to just do what you can at the time. Don't focus on what other people are doing. Don't focus on what you think um, being being uh, prosperous or, or being productive is. Do what you can and then rest when you need to. That's beautiful. I love that. Because when you start spinning that story of I can't get to Portland, so everybody's getting better than me, faster than me, which means I can never do it. It sort of goes back to what we were saying about civil change. You know what I mean? Isaac Witty used to have this great bit about seeing a, a bumper sticker that said free Tibet. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, like I have a phone in my car to China and I can just pick it up and go, let him go. Right. <laughs> that, that was the bit. Um, forgive me if I'm getting those details about the real Tibet crisis wrong. <laughs> Boy, I'll be embarrassed if it's not. Chinese oppression. Oh God, I gotta go. I gotta go. Everybody run when you say keep it crispy. No, um, but like that, that defeatist mentality where you play it out so far that you, that you literally disable yourself. It's like, maybe I think about people talk to me about being in college and they're like, there's nowhere to get up. And I'm like, there's thousands of college students that are looking for things to do. Mm-hmm. And there's a coffee house that will let you do it for free because you go to that school. You could do a comedy show every single week if you wanted to, every single night if you wanted to. So I, 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 I'm so glad you told that story. Do you have any new, uh, because we did talk about it, but it was years ago, how are you feeling about the meaning of life? How, have you had any new mushroom experiences? Have you had any new breakthroughs? Have mm-hmm. you ha- how do you feel about reality what's going on how are you viewing this uh, well you know it's fearful in in, in times but if, if i've had some more mushroom experiences of course but all they've kind of done is reinforce the original thought you know? <laughs> I, I remember years and years dude if i remember something you said years and years ago that that means it was good for me like you said it's like you're a rat or a mouse in a maze and and mushroom psychedelics pick you up let you see the maze and then put you back in it. And I always remember that you said that. So you, you still remind me what you feel about the big picture of reality. What is the story you tell to make sense of this? Uh, well, I think, and I, I don't try to give it for a grand thing of this is what we're all here to do. I think mm-hmm. m- my job here is here to do is to be a positive force. I'm here to do that uh, in any way that I can, being kind to my wife to be, being kind to my son, being a good comedian, being a good businessman, being professional, whatever I can do to be a positive force in this world, that's what I've been put here to do. And I just always been good at it. I'm a dream weaver, as I tell my friends. <laughs> like I, I somehow their their lives are just better from being around me because we're always focused on being positive. I don't like a lot of negative self talk around me again because what we talked about it. Like mm. what you say, you make real. So like we just in this house, we just always try to speak positive and sweetly to each other. Can because I? The world oh, will tear you down. Go that's ahead. Right. That's right. No, no, no. I please keep going. I'll, I'll write it down. <laughs> i don't want to stop you you're on so mostly i just think it's, it's your, my job to be positive there, there is but that the world is like a battery so as that positive exists so does neutral and so does negative and and i'm not here to eradicate that negative i'm not here i'm just here to play my part 
Mm. So I will play my part. And sometimes people don't like my part because they think it's too cheery. They think it's too positive. But I'm this is what I've been here to do. And this is who I am. And I don't want to change for anybody. Mm -hmm. So I will be positive and I will go out and I will help. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, one of my I think one of the best ways to describe me is that I remember going to um, one of the festivals in San Francisco and I was doing some stuff with the people from Drunk History and I was out and I did my show and I'm having a good time and I'm out hitting on ladies after the show and, and struck out and I was going back home and then I see one of the guys from Drunk History just, and he was a very large man, I'm about, about 300 pounds and he's just drunk, passed out in front of our hotel. <laughs> And I remember part of me just wanted to go, oh, I don't know that guy well. Fuck that guy. I, I was more worried about getting laid tonight. I'm going to just go into my room. But then there's always this part of me that goes, I need to do the right thing. And so I picked his ass up. I go like, hey, man, where's your room? Where are you going? I don't want you to end up getting arrested or something. And, and, and we stumble. I take his room key from him. He's leaning all over me. I get him into his bed. I push him in the bed, make sure that he's laying on his side. And then I go and I go home and, you know, and mm. then I don't hear from that for like months later, but then I go on set on drunk history and Derek's like, Oh man, you're one of the, I heard that story. You're such a fucking great guy. <laughs> mm. like, oh, like because I make the right choices, even though sometimes it's later, nice things happen to Did me. You, yeah. Did you play Red Dead too? <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's like when you save the guy with the snake bite, and then like <laughs> four days of gameplay later, he's outside the general store and he goes, Hey, go inside and buy whatever you want. Like, this is <laughs> what we're talking about. This is sort of the law of the universe in a video game. I I love that story, Ron. Thank you for telling that because it is it goes back to find the helpers and not just find the helpers, be the helper. And what you're saying about essential energy, we aren't all here to think and behave and do the same thing. Everybody has their own thoughts on what's right. Everybody has their own thoughts on what's fair. People even have their own interpretations of what's safe, right? And those things don't need to be in, a, in alignment. The, the, the relationship is what makes the fabric of reality. So you saying, it's something that Harold Ramis told Jed. Jed. Jed told me that Harold Ramis said, I'm just one of the good guys. He's like, I see there's bad guys and I see there's good guys. It's not, it's not a complicated moral decision for me. I'm just going to be one of the good guys. So when, when people listening to this see that drunk friend or that person that needs the ride home or whatever it is, just be the good guy. It's not, it's the starfish on the beach story. You can't save them all, but I saved that one. You know that story? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not the whole picture, but on this battery, let's, we'll be the positive ones. I know I have the newsfeed that tells me about all the negative. (laughs) Let's counterbalance that because even in our, in our way, we're not always right either. And that other side might counterbalance us. You know yes. what I'm saying? Oh, there's, a, there's a relationship at play. It's yes. not as simple as good guys, bad guys. It's like the whole thing is feeding and swirling into it. Oh, that's been one of the biggest things I've learned and has been the best for, for setting boundaries in my life is I no longer talk about good and bad as absolutes. I will go like, oh, this person is good for me or mm. bad for me. They might be great for someone else but they're bad for me. So I can't have them in my life. 
And there's been times where you're like, oh, you know, we all have those 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 side friends. We're like, oh, I keep them at arm's reef or keep them whatever. And to me, I just learned to protect myself, to protect my energy by going, look, you might be a great person. You got a lot of things going on, but you're bad for me. And you're bad for, for the direction I'm trying to head. And I wish mm. you well, but I can't have you in my life. And that's very Will you tell someone that point yeah. blank like that? Uh, yeah. Uh, if I if I don't fuck with them, yeah. If I don't fuck with them like that, yes, I will. But wow. odds are wow. not usually. <laughs> wow. But that is power. I mean, to to find a way to put up boundaries kindly. I mean, and language matters. We're back to Ron having a vision board party. I try very hard to say the car. I don't even like saying my car. It's a car. You know what I mean? I don't want it to be mm-hmm. part of my identity. Mm-hmm. It's going back to what we're saying. If I say my car, I, I know literally it is my possession, the title, whatever. I'm just saying I don't even want to invite that energy into how I define myself. That's mm-hmm. what I like about COVID. I, was just, I did Adam Ray's podcast yesterday. And I was like, we all died. Everybody's gone. It's like he was like, oh, P, you've done so many things, this, that, and that. I was like, none of that matters. We're all just in a house now. And I was like, there's something sort of equalizing and beautiful Mm -hmm. that reminds us, like, that's just a story. Fame or importantness is just a story. So that's what I almost interrupted you with. Our thoughts make reality. So that person is famous is obviously a thought. But it's not really true. It's not like ultimately true. It's just something that we sort of agree, like we agree a car says something about you or a car is worth this much money or whatever. This was a story. It's from the Yoga Sutras. Um, I have it over. It's the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Um, in case people want to ch- check it out, it's by Swami Satchidananda. It's really great. And it's a very, very ancient text. And he's talking about how all of reality is um, mind uh, differentiations, right? So he's just like, you go around uh, labeling things and that's what reality is. It's basically a, a construct of thought. Tell me if it doesn't feel like we just took a little bit of mushrooms. I mean, it's <laughs> a fun sort of breakdown. But what he says is the example, and this is Swami Satchidananda, this is his commentary, because the sutras are very simple. But he's like, think about it. If a child never met his father, and then his father comes home one day, the child opens the door, he would see a stranger. Then his mother, and he goes, stranger, and he steps back. Then his mother comes in and goes, no, this is your father. Then the boy hugs him. What happened? The only thing that happened was the brain changed the thinking and, and then everything changed. You look, and we do this with fucking everything. Good people, bad people, smart people, dumb people, everything. This is the, the plague of the world is believing our uninvestigated, reductionistic, Ron Funches is a stoner who blah, blah, or whatever it is. Our brains are wreaking havoc on the infinite potential of every moment to be brand new. That's what Christ said. He said, look, I make all things new. That's somebody that's tapped into the newness of this. Look at the potential. Stop believing the story of who you were. Uh, We're looking for a Ron Funches type McDonald's ad. Start looking at the infinite potential of the moment that you're in. That's dropping the story. That's going change the stranger to a father, change the 
the other to a brother. I didn't mean to be funny and rhyme there. I'm just saying, change that that bad driver. Dude, I, I do this all the time. If somebody is annoying me, I'll pretend it's Val. If I'm having a conversation with somebody and they're just like, this person is boring and they're bragging or whatever it is, I go, if Val was saying the exact same thing, mm. I would think he was cute. I would understand that sometimes we feel like bragging. I would understand sometimes we're tired and we're bored because I'm in fucking love with her. So change the thought. I go, so what is the underlying story? You should entertain me. You people shouldn't brag. Only I should brag. You don't think, <laughs> you, don't think you brag sometimes? Like uninvestigated thinking, bad stories. That's what's happening Good guys, bad guys, right, wrong, left, right, liberal, Republican. It's a plague of bad, unconscious thinking that is just self-perpetuating. But I I feel like I hope this is our conversation that we're putting out into the world. This is us being nice to the customer service person. Mm -hmm. This is us handling what we can handle, which is how you and I talk in respect, in love, and all that sort of stuff. And hopefully that reverberates because- Dude, you don't know how many people are going to hear this. Imagine the reverberations. Imagine the drunk people at hotels that are going to get walks back up to their room because of this. <laughs> Feel that <Ooh>. power. <laughs> you what? I'm happy I can enable them. <laughs> <laughs> that person is not going to get help because they're going to keep thinking, Ron will walk me back to my room. <laughs> that, is, that is a weird way to take it. <laughs> uh, good positive energy today. <laughs> what about any God thoughts? Any feelings on that? Uh, lately, I just been um, it's been the same thoughts of like, yeah, do I believe in the God? Yeah, and I still, I think a lot of people probably be like, well, what's going on? And everything's crazy, but I feel like a lot of it has been godly, and the fact that like we've been put in our place and put in pause to be like, look. Look around you. Look what's going on. Look how you're being hoodwinked. Look how you're being lied to because you're too busy. And I'm talking to me. I was too busy going like, where's my next show? Where's my next project? Where's my next this? Where's the next thing I'm buying? Where's the next pair of shoes I'm getting? To look around me and go, well, shit, everything's falling the fucking part. And I think now, which is one of the reasons why my special is called Awakening, is that we're all, instead of looking at this as a catastrophe, as looking at this as a big problem, it could be a big awakening for a lot of people. It makes me so happy to see so many people, so many Caucasian people protesting for Black Lives Matter. That is amazing to me when so many black, white people now know what Juneteenth is. And <laughs> it's part of you that negatively goes, well, why didn't you know before? And why do you think I've been talking about it? I've been reading about it. Anytime it come up, anytime it's been around, I put a tweet out about it. No one ever asked me, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> but instead I go, it's fucking dope that my white friends are looking into this. It's fucking dope that every white person's car I get into has a copy of White Fragility in the back of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a meeting. (laughs) We need this book. That That is so wonderful. And there is something deeply spiritual about that, not to force this, but most what we're seeing with, I'll put it to me, what I'm seeing with the dissolvement 
of everything that I use to identify myself. I'm a guy who goes out to clubs and, and kills. I'm a guy who goes out and does things on TV, this, that. I go to writers rooms, whatever it is, all gone, all gone. It's like I was saying earlier, what's left? That's the point of spirituality is to go, if you have nothing to identify with, I am, we're talking about race. I am a white man. I know that because I look okay. And then I absorb that story and, and just take it as a thing. Like it's a real thing. <laughs> Even though I know I'm the thing inside the thing, looking out the thing that happens to be white. <laughs> I'm not trying to discredit race. Of course, those are real issues that, that uh, are, are at play. I'm just saying, looking at what remains when every story is dropped. So the more stories that get dropped, sorry to keep mentioning Jesus, but he's like, you got to die before you die. He says the seed has to crack in order for it to grow into a tree. So the cracking of the seed is the death before you die. People die and they realize it was all bullshit, meaning not real, not, not worthless. I just mean not Mm -hmm. ultimately true. And something like this has great potential to make us go, wait, I don't go out and, and do sets. Neither do you. I don't go out and talk with comedians. I don't do this, but I'm still here. So what remains? Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's this global lowercase d death that can, that can become an awakening. And I'm glad and I'm not surprised that you're using it in that way. And I, I hope this conversation helps people to see that potential, that, that growth and change is always super, super uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. nothing is learned or gained from us just going, let's stay asleep. Everything's fine. There's no problem with the police. There's no problem with uh, social inequality. There's no pro- economic inequality, whatever it might be. Waking up, just like waking up in real life, Kind of, it's uncomfortable when someone whips the sheets off. <laughs> yeah, and you're all cold, and yet you're sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> what about this, Ron? We've we've done it all. I mean, this is a great episode. I really appreciate your time. Do you have a new hard laugh story? Can you tell me a time you laughed recently, really, really hard? And then we'll get out of here. We'll plug your YouTube thing one more time. <laughs> but you're crying, laughing. I don't care if you were five years old, 10 years old. It could have been five minutes ago. Can you remember a time that you, you laughed really, really hard? Yeah, it was just a couple of days ago, and it was over a dumbass meme. It was just a dumb meme ah! of a picture. I think it might be some rock and roll guy that I don't know at all, but it was like <laughs> a beat-up-looking man who had long, straight hair, and he has like a five o'clock shadow. And then it just said, 2020 has been rough on everyone, quote by Jennifer Aniston. Because then when you uh-huh. look at it, you go, it does look like Jennifer Aniston. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God, we have that in common too. I love <laughs> memes. I'm not ashamed of it. I love memes. Oh, I just laughed and laughed and I sent it to my fiance. And then I, and then before I sent it to her, I ran upstairs and we, so we could look at it and laugh some more together. As a rapper, how excited was Jay-Z that his fiance was named Beyonce? As a man who's in the rhyming business, that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a mitzvah. That's a gift. <laughs> I just sometimes, cause I'll go back and I'll hear that song, Big Pimpin'. And he's like talking about how he'll never fall in love with a woman. And I go, see, there's growth here. And there's then that- <laughs> 93 Bonnie and Clyde, is it? And you're like, he found it. He did it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I was, dude, 
talking about memes and too much info, I literally saw a popular mechanics headline that was talking about how the Pentagon was starting to slowly declassify like UFO research. Yeah, You saw that too? Mm-hmm. And I was reading it and I was like, eh, let me know when it's a meme. Like I was just like, <laughs> How interesting does something have to be for me to like read the whole article? I gave up halfway. Well, I just I've been thinking about like that's just where we are at a world right now. That there, there's so many other things that they're trying to keep at bay and lying about, and and everything's busting at the seams. That they're like, oh yeah, yeah, there's aliens. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're that's worried right. about other shit right now. <laughs> that is, and it's not even a big story. It's like, yeah, they have other world technology, and we're like shut up like there's too much going on (laughs) so it is indicative if that had come out in 1993 when you and i were eating ninja turtle cereal it was limited edition but it was mostly rice checks and lucky charms marshmallows we would have that was such a good cereal it was a great cereal it was frosted rice checks with lucky charms marshmallows Oh, I think about that. P, I think about that cereal often. I often have Bring it back. eBay looked it up to see if is it possible to find a box that is edible. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it would have to be in some Pentagon Otherworld technology. <laughs> you know what we could do, Rod? Dude, someone out there, some bored ass chef, find a way to make it. You can make it. We just got to frost some rice checks and throw in the marshmallows and get it to Rod Fudges. We got to get it to him for his cheat day. (laughs) We'll make it happen. Go on Rogan and say it. Then it'll happen. It might might get a few tweets about it if you do this. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hey, that's negative talk. This is a popular show. People like this show. God damn it. People do love this show. This show is big in the spiritual community. There you go. (laughs) Shout out to Deepak. I know you're listening. Uh, that's not true. Ron, do you feel good? Anything we didn't cover that you were, you're like, I'm going to talk to Pete today, but we're going to talk about this. No, I mean, it's lots of stuff. I got a lot of cartoons and things coming out, but I don't, I didn't come here. I mean, mostly my special is what I'm excited about. I really would love people to, to watch that. Cause I think it's a big step in the journey that I'm trying to take. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I don't know if you know this, Pete, I'm in a, in a cartoon movie where I play a bunny in a, in a, in a fire truck. You know who is in a movie? Brian Cranston, Angelina Jones. The, the, the poster says Brian Cranston, Angelina Jolie, Danny DeVino, Ron Funch. Oh my God. Shaka Khan. That is awesome. Yeah. Good for sad. you. Yeah. Oh, good for you. I hope we're back out in the world. When's the premiere? Oh, it's not. It's going to be August 14th on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted you to go up on that stage with those people. That oh, trust me. That's yeah. Because we, we've been watching all those Breaking Bads. Yeah, my fiance is like, oh, I'm so mad. There's not going to be a premiere. We can't go meet any of these, oh, these people. Oh, man. See, she did want to use you for your showbiz access. She finally did. <laughs> really did the only time that's ever come up is that she got mad when i did a laughing thing and i didn't introduce her to lily tomlin (laughs) that's fair i got to meet lily i was doing a thing with her and val uh insisted on coming which like it sounds like your fiance not often happened but she had to meet lily and and she did not disappoint i think she hugged her which was very special oh she's a very sweet woman it was it was an absolute pleasure to meet her I've been trying to get her on the podcast for literally, uh, I don't know, three years. We'll see if it happens. Um, Ronnie, 
Funchables, Funchies, the mayor of my heart. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about Zelda. Did you play it? Yeah, but I played it years ago when it first uh, came out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's like that Jim Gaffigan joke where he goes, I just saw heat. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a great movie? Such a great choice of movie. I just saw Heat. And he's like, we saw that in 1998. He's like, yeah, but I want to talk about it now. <laughs> well, I don't even have anything to say except I love it. I it's a great it. game. Did you play Animal Crossing at all? Are you now? In the, remember, years ago, I came on your I show. Know, I talk know. Talk about Animal Crossing. You get into it. I have it downloaded, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a game monogamist. I'm only playing Zelda. I won't even, I won't even fight Ganon. I'm ready. I got the sword. <laughs> I have two rows of hearts. I have uh I have every Lionel bow stored in my soups. in stored in my house. I don't know if you bought the house. No. Oh, I bought a house so I could store all my best weapons. So when I'm gonna go get Ganon, I'm gonna get all the five shot bows, all the high ranking weapons and just smoke them. Um, but I, I don't want the game to be over. Although people say the DLC is really good. Yeah, the DLC, yeah, yeah, the thing with the Ballad of Champions or something. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. So here's a dumb question. You can beat the game and then get the DLC and then it lets you pick up with your yeah. your mm-hmm. old all your stuff. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, now I'm not as nervous to beat Ganon. I'll go. Go I'll ahead, go. get into go it. Ahead. Then you can go on the, to the games from 2018. You can move play mario odyssey please oh i've downloaded mario odyssey I, I don't like platformers anyway this was great you're the king funchies thank you for doing this man it's i'm happy to see you made my week brighter no oh, it's a pleasure it's always a pleasure talking with you pete and, and my fiance wanted to tell me that one of her funnest strangest times is coming to your birthday party and getting a tarot read and then having you come sit down and listen to her tarot read. Oh my God. <laughs> Who I said to Val recently, I was like, you know what I am? I'm the bagpipes. I only play one sound and it's loud and it's just like, hey, what are you doing? Finding out about your future? And I just sit down I gotta, I gotta figure out some other notes to play. I'm a lot. I'm not for everybody. Oh, but you do. I mean, I think I told you this at the time, but uh, your last special was one of the um, just, just sweetest, funniest, most like just playful things that I watched that year, and oh, I, I really loved it. Thank you, man. I really appreciate. it. Filmed in Portland. Yeah, I know. There it is. There <laughs> it is. Um, all right, man. Would you say, would you grace us with our second Ron Funches Keep It Crispy and we'll get out of here? Oh, absolutely. You got to keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> you went kind of sexy low. I yeah, the last time I went hot. <laughs> I like it. Well, somebody mix them together. They'll harmonize. <laughs> and make Ron some Ninja Turtle cereal. All right, guys. Thank you, Ron. Check out Thank his you. YouTube. Get in there. All right.